Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, this is the 23rd, right? Yes, okay, July 23rd morning. Um, <clears throat> back to, we're going to be in Genesis 41 eventually. But um, I'm going to do a timeout here and do some history um, because I just saw another story of Moses on TV the other day. And, um, you know, the, the Charlton Heston one and this one. Everybody has Moses at the wrong time in history um, under Ramses, and um, that's so wrong. Um, Ramses actually lived hundreds of years before um, the children of Israel ever went into Egypt. Ramses, the cities, was, was already built. It was already there. And um, so I want us to look at the history and then just find out, well, exactly who was, you know, who was in charge and, and exactly what were the dates. Do you know... With the calendars, you have the agrarian calendar, which is the really ancient calendar. Then you have the Hebrew calendar, which would be next to the agrarian. And then you have this Gregorian calendar on top of that, which is our modern day calendar. So years and dates are a little fuzzy. <clears throat> but <clears throat> general ballparks we can get, and pretty close. So... Um, when you look at Bible clues, when you look at Bible history and the way things are dated, once we got to David and Solomon, the Hebrew people had a very accurate calendar for when things, um, when things happened. And um, so start with 1 Kings chapter 6. <clears throat> And this is about Solomon, and this dates exactly when um, the cal- I mean, when the uh, temple was starting to be built, right down to the, the month and the day. And um, so you can get a pretty rough, um, a pretty good estimate of when everything started happening, counting backwards from this from this point. So. Um, you start with verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel. In the month Ziph, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. So the biggie there is 400 years before Solomon's fourth year of reign. Well, they know that the year of his fourth year of reign, at least by the Hebrew calendar, was 966 B.C. A thousand years before Jesus came, roughly. And um, and then the fourth year 
<clears throat> of his reign. So, you know, somewhere in that area of 966 B.C., that's when Solomon started to build the temple. So now you count back from there, 480 years um, after the children of Israel left Egypt. Well, they were there 480 years. Um, then you add another 430 because they were there. So that's 900 years, almost 1,000 years before that. The children of Israel show up in, um, in um, Egypt. So just starting from that place, um, I just want to look at it. That would put Joseph coming into Egypt in the, what would have been called the 12th dynasty. Um, you don't need to keep these dates, but um, just so that you have it. It would be like the 12th dynasty. So it would have been somewhere between 2000 B.C. and 1500 B.C., somewhere in that range. Um, it's when Joseph went into Egypt. Um, there is a, uh, there's a, like an historical divide but I don't think the divide needs to be there. But some people <clears throat> talk about a season when there were um, uh, like Canaanites, Middle Eastern shepherds who came into the Eastern Delta on the east side of the Nile River. They were called Hexos, H-Y-K-S-O-S. And um, they came in droves for a while and they actually even started their own realm with kings. They became known as the shepherd kings, okay? And they were a thorn in Egypt's side. Now, they never ruled over all of Egypt, never. Only in the Delta region. But they did come as far um, west as um, Thebes, you know, and at one point they tried to take Thebes. But th these tribes, although they never left the Delta area, would kind of wax and wane. They'd get strong and then try to, you know, take some control of Egypt. And then they would wane. Something would happen and they would kind of go away. But they never left the area. They were always just kind of a pain in, in Egypt's rear end. Some people want to say, no, it was two different um, time frames, but really not. Um, the Hyksos may have come two or three hundred years before the um, 12th dynasty started, but they were there the whole time Joseph was there, the whole time Israel was there, but sometimes they'd be really strong and sometimes they'd be really weak. Okay, sometimes you wouldn't even be able to find them, but they were still there, just that seed planted there, and they were called shepherd kings, okay? So where some historians try to split that and say, no, the Hexos rulers came at this time and then the 12th dynasty was at this time. If you really read a lot of the documentation, they overlap big time. They overlap. They're, you know, the Hexos came before the 12th dynasty, stayed through the 12th dynasty, dynasty on into the 13th dynasty, well into the future, those shepherd kings were around. And you have to um, account for them because they're important. They're one of the reasons that um, Israel got into trouble with the Egyptians. And um, so we'll talk about that later. 
But I wanted you to know both of those things are kind of going on at the same time. These Hyksos rulers in the eastern delta and um, then uh, the 12th dynasty. So if, it, if the 12th dynasty is right historically, um, then Joseph was probably taken into Egypt um, around, um, well, let me just back up a minute. During the 12th dynasty, dynasty, at the beginning, there are two great pharaohs, Sesostris II and Sesostris III. Um, S-E-S-O-S-T-R-I-S, that's the way it's pronounced. Sesostris II and Sesostris III. Okay. Sesostris II would have been at the tail end of his reign. Around 1878 is B.C. is when the II um, died. Joseph, they believe, came into Egypt as a 17-year-old about two or three years before Sesostris' death. So um, Joseph would have been, for 17 years then, under Sesostris III, um, he would have been a slave for Potiphar and then been in prison. And... Um, so then he would have been raised up under Sesostris III um, to uh, a place of power. And that would have been, well, let's see, Sesostris III started his reign in 1878 B.C. So still almost 2,000 years before Jesus. And Joseph came to Egypt in 1876. Thirteen years later, um, Thirteen years later, um, Joseph is 30 years old, and he's raised up um, to be right under Sesostris III. So Joseph is there 13 years, the end of Sesostris II and the beginning of Sesostris III under their reign, which you don't hear those names. You hear Ramses, you know, which it's just not true. Ramses... Historically, was Long years gone. before, yeah, years before that. But when you start to read the history, this all fits. So, um, just so I can tell you how this worked. So, under Sesostris the Third, Joseph was raised to power. Okay, um, under Sesostris the Second, he's the one that had the dreams, and. Um, He's the one that Joseph interpreted the dreams to. You know, this is, um, or, no, I'm sorry, Sesostris III had the dreams. And um, Joseph interpreted those dreams about the famine coming. So for seven years then, Joseph stored up grain, all kind of grains. He built these huge uh, double silos. They were kind of interesting, actually. Um, most of the silo was below the ground. And then they look like mounds, you know, they look like a sand mount, a, a little bit larger than a sand mount, you know. And, um, and, and then they were open at the top. Well, then they'd have a stairway between two silos, and it would go up one side and down the other. So people would bring their grain, go up the stairs, dump the grain in the silos, and then go down the stairs on the other side. And that was the way they kept the grain and the food going. And they had these double silos all over Egypt, not just not just in one place. 
but all over Egypt, um, near the cities where the people lived. And um, um, so they were, they had ample food. Joseph, in his brilliance, um, so blessed Sesostris III, and, and we'll talk more about this, but um, he really prospered Sesostris because when the famine hit, Joseph began to sell the grain. And all these surrounding nations would have to come to Egypt to get the grain. So for several years, he took the money from all the people in the surrounding nations and all of Egypt. He took their money. When the money ran out, he took their cattle. They traded their cattle for food. So he got all the cattle, you know, sheep and goats and camels and asses and every kind of animal you can think of. He collected all those animals for Pharaoh. And when the animals gave out, he, people would give them, give Pharaoh their land, and they became sharecroppers. So at the end, Pharaoh owned all the land, all the cattle, all the money in Egypt and the surrounding areas. And the people became sharecroppers. So they would work. They got to keep 80% uh, of what they grew for themselves. But 20% of everything they did went back to Pharaoh. So Joseph had so enriched Pharaoh, Sesostris, when he died, Amenhotep, his son, came to power. And um, Amenhotep, um, he, I'm sorry, it was Amenhot the third came to power, he continued that. Egypt was at its zenith, okay, during the time that Israel was first in Egypt, okay. Then, uh, and, and under Amenhotep, it got better because um, uh, he also began to do a great deal of foreign trade. They used, you know, the Mediterranean, and they did shipping, and um, then they started exploiting their mines, and uh, quarrying jewels, rich, you know, rich stones and things. And then he began to, to um, expand the kingdom, taking countries like Nubia and all the surrounding lands. And you didn't hear a word out of these um, shepherd kings. They were just virtually gone. They believed that, the, that the, um, the famine had so wiped them out. They were, they were not an issue during that time. And then Joseph dies. This is about 1783. Give or take some. And then there's How a... How old was Joseph when he died? Oh, Do I forgot. Remember? I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. hundred and... So over I forgot. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, he... Um, he, um, he died, and then um, there was this period of time in the 13th dynasty, when they just had a series of lousy pharaohs that spent all the money, that everything broke down, the lands fell apart, everything, you know, the cities began to fall apart, and um, um, Egypt became impoverished, completely impoverished. And um, so this was the 14th dynasty, the 15th, 16th, 17th. 18th dynasty comes. This is about 100 years before um, Israel leaves Egypt, okay? A man comes to power who's, who's, 
I when I look at the spelling T U T M O S E, it looks like Tutmos the first, okay? But they say it's actually pronounced Thosmosis, which Moses kind of makes sense here. Under Thosmosis the first, um, then the cruelty begins. And um, so I want to go to Exodus chapter 1. So that was the 18th dynasty. Yeah. Okay, start with verse 6. And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Well, we know that they went from 70 when Jacob moves in, to over 3 million when Moses takes them out. So they have really been multiplying and thriving in Egypt for a long time. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. This is about 240 years after Joseph. Okay, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let's deal wisely with them lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falls out any war, they join also with our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of our land. So what he's talking about here is these um, Hyksos, these shepherd kings, are beginning to cause trouble again. And the shepherd kings are trying to Again, run after Thebes and run after those cities along the Nile. Well, this king says we have to deal harshly with Israel because Israel came from Canaan, came from the Middle East. And if the Hyksos gets strong enough, Israel might join with them and overrun Egypt. So, um, in that sense, hey... <clears throat> That's okay. Um, so anyway, these Hyksos kings were starting to rise up and cause trouble. And now this king who doesn't know Joseph, who doesn't know the history of the children of Israel, because they've been there 300 years, um, <clears throat> is afraid that they're going to, these Canaanite descendants, are going to join up with these Hyksos kings and overrun Egypt. So the best thing they can do is kill them off. That's the first thing he tries. You know, he tries getting with the midwives and saying, <clears throat> anytime a male child is born, you know, kill it. Well, the midwives, of course, didn't do that. But they told the king, they said, look, every time we go, these women are so strong, they've already had their children. It's too late to, you know, it's too late. And um, so finally he orders all babies two years and under to be killed. And this is when Moses comes on the scene, okay? This is, um, um, Thosmosis the first is the one who starts to enslave the Israelites. Then um, Thosmosis the second is the one who um, 
is ruling um, when all the babies are killed, okay? Um, <clears throat> Thosmosis marries Hatshepsut, which is really, she's kind of famous. Um, of, of Egyptian women, Hatshepsut is somebody that usually you hear about in history. She was a very powerful woman. She married Thosmosis II, and <clears throat> she was kind of the power behind the man. He was sort of a weak man. And when he died, she just ruled Egypt. She was, you know, she was queen, and she ruled Egypt. Um, look at Exodus chapter 2. Just flip, flip to chapter 2, the first six verses. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she took him. <clears throat> she took for him an ark of bulrushes, <coughs> and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid him there <clears throat> on the river's brink. And the sister stood far off to see what would be done. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. That they believe that to be Hatshepsut, and she is. Um, Thosmosis, the first daughter, okay, she marries Thosmosis the second. I think they have the same father, different mothers, okay, but they marry. And they believe that she's the one that pulled Moses out of the bulrushes <clears throat> and saved him. And then he would have been raised under Thosmosis the first and Thosmosis the second. He would have been raised alongside Thosmosis II. Um, and then Thosmosis III comes to power. And he reigns for 52 years. Now under Thosmosis III, Moses is exiled. And he's gone for 40 years. But he's 40 when he leaves. So when he comes back, he's 80 years old, right? Um, and... Um, Thosmosis now, the third, is all about rebuilding Egypt. He's a huge warrior, this, this pharaoh is, and he wants to take more land, expand his rule, <clears throat> and then rebuild the cities <coughs> and build new temples. And um, So he is using Israel as slave labor to rebuild Ramses, to rebuild all of these temples that have fallen into ruin, um, to refurbish the um, pyramids, which have already been there for years, long before Israel ever came to Egypt. Um, but now the, the children of Israel are being used to refurbish Egypt. They weren't building the city of Ramses. They were rebuilding the city of Ramses, okay? So they were in hard slavery for about a hundred years, okay? And Moses returns at the age of 80. Um, it's interesting, they have buried a lot of the history in Egypt about the children of Israel and Moses leading them out. It's believed that the shame of it was so great that they blotted out that part of history. But you will find in some of the tombs, um, one in particular, if you can find pictures of it, but 
uh, it's the tomb of Rech Meyer, who was a mayor of Thebes. Uh, R e k h m i r e. Say that again. Um, Rech Meyer. R e k h m i r e. He was the mayor of Thebes, and he was a visor or a governor under Tutmosis the third. Okay, and on a wall in his uh, tomb is a picture of the children of Israel, the Israeli slaves making bricks out of mud, you know, building things. And um, there's an overseer there that warns them, and he says, The rod is in my hand, be not idle. And um, so it's one of the few archaeological finds that... that uh, confirms Israel was there during that time under uh, Thosmosis III, um, and they were enslaved. And it was Thosmosis III um, that Moses deals with um, to have the children of Israel um, uh, freed. Now, Thosmosis III has two children. He has Nefertiri, and we hear her name, Nefertiri. She's she's in in um in the movie, um, Nefertiri is the daughter of Ramses and you know, and she's the one that finds uh I mean she's the one that falls in love with Moses and ends up having to marry, you know, Ramses the second. That's the movie. But Nefertiri is born to to um, Thosmosis the third, and he has a son, Amenemhat the third. So, and Amenemhat the third dies before him, precedes him in death, just at about the time period when the death angel would have come through Egypt. Mm. So it's further confirmation that this is the right timing. Nefertiri's name pops up, and the idea that Amenemhat the third dies before, um, the yeah, before his father, and. Um, so they believe then that Israel came out under him and that Israel was broken so badly then um, that they never quite recovered. They never quite. Say the name of that pharaoh again that they come out from under. Um, Thusmosis, if you, if you want to spell it, the way they spell it is T-U-T-M-O-S-E, the third. But they pronounce it Thusmosis. So, I mean, I can see how Moses would have gotten his name now, is this, under Thosmosis. Is that something different then? Or is that... I, I, no, that's it. Okay. It, isn't that T-H-O-S-M-O-S-I-S? T-H-U? Okay. 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 Thosmosis. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, that is mm. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted because I highlighted it when you spelled it the first time. I thought yeah. it didn't look right. But yeah. Well, right. yeah, it's a pronunciation thing. Okay. I mean, you know, if you look at it, it's in hieroglyphics. Like in Egypt, it's written in hieroglyphics. It's like writing Hebrew words with English letters. If you look at the Hebrew alphabet, it would not look anything like that. So this is some man's attempt at correct pronunciation for the name is what that is. So you'll find it spelled a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, that's who it is. So that's what they believe the timing is. Um, so that kind of gets it. Just use that to... Erase from your mind the pictures of Moses under Ramses and, you know, and Joseph uh, coming in about, you know, about that time. And um, it, it, was, it was way after Ramses that this all happened. So um, I, I 
couldn't find a good place to put in that timing, but I thought you needed to know mm -hmm. what that history is coming out on the other end. So when we talk about Pharaoh, um, you know, we're not talking about, um, we're talking about, um, right, right. Or actually, um, we'd be talking about, um, my mind is just gone. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, Sesostris. We'd be talking about Sesostris. Um, it was Thosmosis when Egypt came out. Right. But, but Joseph would have been under Sesostris. Sesostris II and Sesostris III. Spell Sesostris for me. Um, S-E-S-O-S-T-R-I-S. Sesostris II and Sesostris III. And then Amenemhat, A-M-E-N-E-M-H-A-T, the third. And that would have been the time when Joseph was there. I wonder why they made it. Why? I don't know. I don't know. They, I, I have the feeling that it just happened, you know, they're reading through scripture. The city of Ramses is mentioned. And so... Um, the assumption, the Hollywood assumption was made even years ago that Ramses would have been in power. And I think that's why, you know, they did it. Um, but even this modern thing that I saw on TV the other day, I went, holy cow, they're still doing it. But um, it wasn't Ramses. It wasn't that time period. So just so you know, um, it's not all that important, but it is. You know, it's just important that you know um, you know, the period, the time period that that happened. So, you know, it started about 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And um, you think, I can't even wrap my mind around um, 100 years, much less 430 years, much less 2,000 years, you know. But the history... Um, the history is long before Jesus comes. And we're 4,000 years out from that story. You know, that's just amazing to me. 4,000 years out from the story that we're reading now about Joseph. 4,000 years. And um, somehow it just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Seems like yesterday's news. You know, I guess we've heard it all our lives. But we're 4,000 years out from that. Because we're 2,000 years after the birth of Christ. So A.D. is after birth, not after death. Well, it would be after death, Anno Domini, but they do use it for the birth year. Okay. You know, Anno Domini is, yeah, after death. But they start with his life, his birth. And even then they got it wrong, so. So in the A.D., those 33 years are included. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. So, mm-hmm, they are. So anyway, that's, that's where we are in the time span. But isn't it amazing, you know, we're 4,000 years out and um, God is still um, honoring everything he said. Um, he says, I tell everything in the end from the beginning. And um, doesn't Jesus say, when you get to the end times, now he's talking 2,000 years out, it'll be just like the days of Noah. And... Uh, Israel will be back in their land. Israel wasn't in their land for 2,000 years. Now they're back in the land, May 14th, 1948. Um, and they're not going anywhere ever again. Israel will not be gone ever again. 
And um, with the planning of Israel back in, in their nation, um, the time clock started again now. So um, who knows? But everything that has happened here is a prophecy of what's going to happen in the end. And, of course, Joseph is just the classic uh, type of Jesus in every kind of way you can think of. I gave you a list, but you probably reading this can think of a dozen more. You know, everything that happens, it's just, um, it's just amazing. So anyway, let's go now to Genesis 41. Meanwhile, back in Egypt. <laughs> okay, I think I'm just going to have to get over myself and get my glasses. <laughs> so embarrassing. I'm just going to have to quit pretending that I'm a young girl with great eyesight. I like to pretend, but gets in the way sometimes. Ooh, okay, now you know. All right, verse 1. It came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, this is two years since the baker um, was um, hung on the tree and... The butler was put back in um, service to Pharaoh, serving the wine. So it's been two more years. Joseph's been waiting two years, hoping that the butler would remember to say something to Pharaoh about him. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well favorite kind and fat flesh and they fed in a meadow and behold seven other kind came up after them out of the river ill fed and lean flesh and they stood by the other kind on the brink of the river and the ill favored and lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well favored and fat kind so Pharaoh awoke and he slept and dreamed the second time and behold seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk rank and good and behold seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears and Pharaoh awoke and behold it was a dream and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt all the wise men thereof and Pharaoh told them his dream but there was none that could interpret them to Pharaoh then spoke the chief butler to Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my thoughts this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and he put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream one night, I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was a young man with us, a Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man, according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard say of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, 
It's not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Yahweh, Elohim. Um, it's amazing to me that he grew up with a bunch of brothers who were idol worshipers and a dad who very seldom, if ever, called on the name of the Lord. And yet Joseph is so sold out to the living God that even sold into slavery, put into prison, he is still a deep follower of the living God. I don't know how that happens. But Joseph, of all of them, had the worst things happen, and yet he is so sold out to the living God. He never takes credit for anything. He says, I would never be able to interpret your dreams. But Yahweh Elohim can, God Almighty, Lord God Almighty can. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood on the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-flavored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored, and lean flesh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. So they were still ill-favored as at the beginning, and I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up on one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered and thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good years, ears. And I told this to the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. Both dreams are the same dream, in other words. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. That's so important to me. Um, to this point, um, God is um, still giving Pharaoh kudos. He's still blessing Pharaoh. Um, and Pharaoh has been told by God what's about to happen. God was speaking to Pharaoh in a dream, not to Joseph. Joseph didn't have the dream. But God is dealing, Yahweh Elohim, Lord God Almighty, is dealing with this idol worshiper who actually thinks he's a god because that's what pharaohs did. They thought they were a god. And, uh, and yet God was speaking to him through his dreams. <clears throat> the seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he shows to Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And um, for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It's because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Um, okay, the picture here, first of all, the Nile is a source of life, of all life. So when the cattle come up out of the Nile, they rise up out of the Nile, it's, it is the, the source of all life, 
okay? And they feed in a meadow. Now, this is the way Egypt works. Egypt depends on the Nile overflowing every year to bring out their crops. They have to have the overflow every year. Well, on good years, then um, way inland, the Nile has overflowed and, they, and the meadows and the fields and the crops way inland are healthy. And the cattle then feed in the meadows. But when famine comes, when the river dries up, when there's not much, the cattle feed on the brink of the river, right up at the edge of the river, where there's still a little life. So it's another sign that there's going to be a time when there's plenty. The Nile's going to overflow. But there's also going to be a time, um, the picture of the famine is with these thin cows eating right on the brink of the river, saying the Nile is not going to overflow. And then the crops are bad. The corn is what was specifically spoken of here. And corn is really this, the main and specific grain that Joseph stored. I guess corn lasts longer in silos than, than um, other feed crops, other, you know, wheat and grain. I don't know other, you know, I don't know how long they last. But corn evidently was the grain that God's saying you need to preserve the corn. You know, that's basically it. So... Not only was Joseph able to interpret that dream, but Joseph uh, <clears throat> was impressed by the fact that the dream was doubled. Um, <clears throat> in Scripture now, I mean, you know, back in, the, in Genesis, the law wasn't established. All we have is just the first five books. And, and in Genesis, we didn't have anything. So there are just spiritual laws that are, are there in place. And one of them is this, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing established. And when a dream is doubled, when a pronouncement is doubled, then there is eminence in the dream, eminence in the prophecy. So you think, I wonder if Joseph thought about the double dream he had with his brothers, the dream of the sheaves, and I find that really interesting. The first time they bow down to Joseph to fulfill the first dream, it's over sheaves and and grain and, and corn, you know, it's over food stuff. And then the second time, it's the stars, you know, and the moon and the sun bowing down to him. But I wonder if he thought about the eminence of his, um, of his two dreams that were back to back. I don't know. But um, you would have to think that would have been in his mind. But with the two dreams back to back, it was preeminent. So... Pharaoh was so taken with what Joseph interpreted um, that Joseph also not only interpreted the dreams but gave him the solution. Joseph in his wisdom said, this is what God is showing you, so this is what you have to do. So let's just keep reading here. Um, verse 33. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint um, officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plentieth years. So, in other words, for seven years, 20% of everybody's crops went into these silos. Everybody paid 20%. And over a seven-year period, 20% of all the 
the fat years, the years when everything was multiplying like crazy, 20% is a lot, okay? And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities that the food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good um, in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? a man in whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has shown you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you. You will be over my house, and according to your word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it on Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestitures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Zenath Paneah, and he gave him to wife As, um, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. And Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay. So Joseph, the grace of God was so on Joseph. And Joseph found such favor with Pharaoh that he literally um, put him in charge of everything. Um, go to, just flip over to chapter 45. Um, he has three titles that he's given, and he eventually tells his brother what his titles were. But this kind of gives you an idea of the power that Joseph had in the land. Look at uh, chapter 45, verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he, God, has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So three different things. Um, a father to Pharaoh, that would mean like a chief or a principal. And actually it would be like a, a counselor or a business partner. So um, even though I don't know how old Pharaoh was, but Joseph was only 30. He was still like a wise father to Pharaoh, an advisor and a counselor telling him what to do. A um, couple of Hebrew commentaries. Um, to be his counselor, to advise him well in all things as a father to his children, and to be a partner and a patron. Um, and another one, Jarky says, share with him in power and authority. Okay. The next is he was um, Lord over all his house. The word Lord there is Adon, which means controller or master, uh, prime minister or steward of all that is Pharaoh's. This is another picture of Jesus in, too. Um, the steward of the house was given the keys to the kingdom. 
And usually it was on the right shoulder. They, they would pin the key to all that, that um, the master had would be on his right shoulder. And he would have the key to the kingdom. So Jesus says, I, I have the keys, you know, to the kingdom. I open and no man shuts. I shut and no man opens. Okay. Here is a picture of Joseph being given the key to the kingdom. You cannot get access even to Pharaoh, unless you go through the steward of the house. So Joseph had such a covering over Pharaoh that he could determine who would get access to Pharaoh and who didn't because he was the one that could open the door to the throne room and nobody else could. So Pharaoh had, I mean, so Joseph had access to that. He had access to all of the treasure houses of Egypt. Everything that Pharaoh owned, the key to the front door, if you will, the key to the car, the key to everything in the kingdom of Pharaoh was on his shoulder. So he was an advisor and, and a friend to um, Pharaoh, like a father. He was the steward of his house. Nothing happened for Pharaoh unless Joseph said yes or no. Nothing. And lastly, he was ruler throughout all the land. Ruler there is the word mashal, which literally means a governor. So he had the power to rule over the people. Garter, protector, had access to everything that Pharaoh owned, but he was also the governor over all the land. Whatever he said went. The only one who could top his rule was Pharaoh. If Pharaoh chose to top what he said. But nobody else could. Joseph was a ruler in all the land of Egypt. And what he said went. Um, pretty powerful uh, situation. You know, Pharaoh could have made him, you know, just be my assistant. I'm going to kick out all these um, necromancers. That's what um, the magicians were, necromancers. They tried to read dead bones, dried bones, you know. And... Um, he could have just thrown them out and said, you're my chief, you know, magician now. But he didn't. He did more than that. And that was the grace of God on Joseph. That was the grace of God on Joseph. And um, so Joseph was raised up to a very high place. Um, <clears throat> so now there are seven years of plenty. And then... Um, uh, and then the famine hits. And that's when it, it finally gets to Jacob and his, his family. So go back to um, Genesis 41. Look at verse 47. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food... Of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities <clears throat> and the food of the field which was round about every city he laid up <clears throat> in the same and Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much <clears throat> until he left numbering because it was without number so he stored up so much corn that he couldn't even measure it he had no idea how much corn there was. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potpharah, the 
priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God, he said, has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my afflictions. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come. According as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, plural. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all of the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn, because the famine was so sore in all the land. Um, so Jacob makes out okay for the first year or so. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I know what it's like when we get into a drought, and you get a really bad winter, I mean, a bad summer and a dry winter and another bad summer. But usually droughts only last a couple of years, you know. And they're not so bad because while we might be having a drought here, the Midwest might be soaked. So we get our food from the Midwest. But this, fa this famine went all over the Middle East and over into Northern Africa. So there was no place for anybody to go. I mean, you were in the middle of the famine and you couldn't get out of it. You couldn't even go to Egypt and get out of the famine. The famine was in Egypt, too. The only hope was that you could buy maybe some food from the Egyptians if they would allow you to. <clears throat> that was the only hope. So now Joseph has been in charge for almost nine years under Pharaoh when, um, um, when Jacob and his brothers begin to get desperate for food. And um, so Jacob says, you guys have got to go down and get us some food. You got to go. I'm giving you money. And they're not in bad shape just yet, but they're getting there, okay? Um, well, you know what? Let's just stop at 42. We'll just stop there because um, I hate to get into it right then. Hi. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.